As you know, uh, the last few days I found myself in another part of the world and uh, another culture, another thought process. And one of the things they do that's quite unusual is they, they have a, a very much a procession kind of after each service, which means every person shakes the pastor's hand. Well, as they leave, they all say the same thing. Pacha, 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 pacha. Which, peace, 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 peace. They're all giving you peace. Well, I was in the middle of this line of a thousand people in the, on Sunday, last Sunday morning, and a girl walked by and said, I died eight years ago. I mean, I was saying, Pacha, Pacha, said, Pacha to her, she said, I died eight years ago. I said, wait, wait, wait. She said it in English, by the way. She said it in Romanian, I would have said Pacha and moved her on. But she said it in English. And I said, wait, 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 tell me your story. And she, she began to tell the story. And it was interesting because if I had not been listening carefully, I would have missed her very quiet words. She said, eight years ago, I was walking down the street and got hit by a car. I died. But I came back to life. They put me back on, they put me on some equipment. I was, I was in a coma for a very long time. One side of my body was completely paralyzed. And she said, I, I didn't know what to do, but this lady beside me did. It was her mother. My mother knew to pray. And her mother began to beseech heaven and ask the Lord not just let her live, but let her not be paralyzed on one side of her body. And as she looked at me, and one of the things I pointed out while I was preaching, I said, you know what? Listen, we have something to smile about in life because Jesus lives inside of us. And I said, I want to challenge you Romanians. I almost didn't come back a second time because none of you smile. And they looked at me, and they, they, I knew it too. Anyway, this girl said, you know what? I have a reason to smile every day. And she said, I thank God for life. And as she shared that testimony, I got to thinking about what would have happened had I missed her saying, I died eight years ago. You know, she could have just said, hey, I've had a difficult life. God bless you. She could have said something else. And what you discover is, to the degree that you listen, to that degree will you experience what it is God intended. And it may be you're here today, and here's what you realize. You've listened to a lot of different noises. Sometimes you hear somebody say, you're not adequate. Sometimes you hear a voice that says, you'll never connect to what God has for you. Sometimes you hear a voice that says to you, you're not worth much. And all of a sudden, you begin to hear those voices bombard against you. And as they bombard, if you're not careful, they'll steal your direction. And when they steal your direction, they'll steal your hope. And when they steal your hope, you'll find yourself in despair. And maybe you're here today and you've had a bad experience in the past. Maybe you had it at church. Maybe you met somebody who was arrogant or disconnected and acted proud instead of humble. And as a result, you found yourself going, you know, that's not what I want. And I can tell you without a doubt, when I think about the people of this church, this church is filled with humble people who love the Lord, who want the best for every person's life. But it may be you're here and you've had a bad experience where it didn't, didn't help you get where you needed to go. And it may very well be that you're here. And what you need to do is just kind of zero in on, how can I listen for the call that God has for me? Because here's what I know. I am convinced without a doubt that there are people in this room who need to hear clearly what it is God's trying to say to them. But my question to you today is simply this. As you open your Bible to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, I want you to think about this particular question. How effective are your listening skills? In other words, how well do you hear what it is that God is trying to say to you? Not what others are trying to say, because the reality is lots of people will say lots of things. But when you hear what it is God's saying to you, then, then you begin to listen the right way. And I tell you what you're going to discover. There's a great degree of things that could be a part of our story if we were just willing to hear them more clearly and listen and become more effective. So today, as you look at this particular text, you'll discover something. It's very unusual. 
the church at Thessalonica was a church that had been birthed out of a vision. And that vision was actually revealed in Acts chapter 16. So I want to ask you, put your finger in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, hang a left back to Acts 16 just for a moment and look at something with me because as you look at it, you're going to discover that had Paul not been willing to listen carefully to the vision God had for him, he would have never gone to Macedonia. He would have never gone into impact Thessalonica, Philippi, all these places. All right. So look at it with me, if you would. Acts chapter 16, verse 9. All right. Notice what Scripture said. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when he had seen the vision, watch this, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Here's what I want you to see. Think about this for a moment. Sometimes he shows you something so clearly that you can't miss it, but you say, oh, wait a minute, maybe that's for someone else. Maybe I should set that aside for someone else's life. And all of a sudden, Paul, he, here's what you got to see. He's tracking in his own path, going where he's supposed to go, believing that what it is God has for him, accomplishing what task is in front of him. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of what he thinks is successful, God said, whoa, 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 you got to go somewhere else. you got to go and you got to take the message to people, to the north and to the south. you got to take it all over there. And that's why we have the letters written to Thessalonica. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, look if you would at a unique verse because I want you to see, I want you to see something that uh, will help you understand why we're looking at this today. And remember, I asked you the question, how effective are your listening skills? In other words, how effective are you at being able to hear what it is that God is saying to you? All right, so watch what happened. Here we find ourselves in Acts chapter 1. Look if you would at verse 8 because I want you to see in particular the emphasis of what this verse carries related to the idea of listening. Look at it with me if you would. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth so that we have no need to say anything. Now, when you look at that, those two words, sounded forth, all right, watch this. Those two words in the original language have carried the idea of blasting out so loud you can't miss it. And I want you to think about that for a second, because I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes when I'm driving down the road, somebody in the car next to me will have their music on so loud that they hear not only every word, but every beat. And you know, my first thought whenever I pull up a car next to that, to someone like that, my first thought is they're going to be deaf by the time they're 30. That's my very first thought. Perhaps you don't think that, but I do. And, and every once in a while, I want to roll my window down and say, hey, can you hear it? Because it's so loud that everyone in the entire intersection hears it. So here's what happened. Paul writes to Thessalonica and said, guess what? You are, you are so absolutely effective in what you're doing that I really don't need to say anything because you're so loud, everybody gets it. Everyone gets it. I, my buddy down here, Gail Derby, Gail, Gail uh, has had great difficulty in hearing. Until recently, some of the faithful men of our church helped him get hearing aid. And, and it's interesting because he told me the other day he heard every word I said. First time in years, he said. And it was, he was so thankful, right, Gail, to hear all that. And I got to thinking about the fact, you know, sometimes we need spiritual hearing aids because sometimes we don't hear exactly what it is God's saying to us. And maybe you're here today and you realize something. He's been talking to you a long time. He's been telling you what needs to be refined 
He needs to be telling you what needs to be committed. He's been telling you about what you need to work on. And I want you to be careful to listen to what it is he has for you. So here he says it blasted forth, so we don't have any need to say anything. Wouldn't it be amazing if our story was so special that whenever anyone met us, you know what, I already know your story. I heard it. I heard from many what it is God's done in you and how he's working your life. But what happens is Paul writes this letter to, to the Thessalonians, and, and what he does is he, he, anchors it, he anchors it with an awareness that each one of us needs to understand, and that is, how do we become a life changer? And we started this series a couple weeks ago, and I want to come back to it just for a moment, because many of you, it's your first time to be with us, I want to remind you of what we're looking at as a whole over a 10-week window of time. Because a life changer is someone who sees obedience as a way of life. I mean, they look at it and say, you know what? This is exactly what it is God has for me. They see obedience as a way of life, and it does something inside of their heart. Because when you learn how to obey, something happens inside of you. But not only that, though, you also find that they begin, a person who is a life changer begins to abound in love towards others. And we looked at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 two weeks ago to really reflect on what it means to abound, which means to be so bountiful that everyone feels that love in such a powerful and amazing way. The third thing we said was a life changer is someone who seeks life in community. In other words, connects relationally with those who they are a part of. For example, one of the things we do every month on the third Sunday, on the third Sunday, we bring together all of our young families, and we have a special time. And, and in fact, tonight is the third Sunday of January at 5 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall. All those young families come together to have community. Many of them are serving in different areas of our church. So they all come together. I want to invite you, if you're a young family, you never, uh, perhaps you're busy today, I want to invite you to be a part of that because until you discover, the community that's shared inside of one heart is a part of life-changing. And when you have that life-changing encounter, something happens inside of you. A fourth thing is a life-changer is someone who finds himself experiencing the real joy that God has for their heart and life by standing firm in their faith. In other words, not by wavering, but standing solid. And it's interesting to me because many of the people I've met who recently have become a part of our fellowship, they, they come with great joy into our church, but they come because they realize we stand firm in our faith. We don't shift with the sands of culture. We stand firm on the rock who is Jesus. And that says something to people. A fifth and final quality we looked at when, regarding life changers, it has to do with holiness. And, and it really has to do with recognizing that holiness is the key to everything else in life. Because when you see it that way, it becomes your ultimate goal. And what he says in chapter 3 is that your hearts would be established in holiness. In other words, you get in on what he has for you. Because to be holy is to be right. All right, so we set all that to set the tone for what we're going to look at over the next number of weeks. And so as this series unfolds, I want you to think in your own mind and heart. All right, okay, if I am a life changer, the first thing I've got to be able to do is learn how to listen. I've got to be able to hear what it is that God is saying to me. And that's where we find ourselves in chapter 1, beginning in verse 2. Read with me, if you would, and notice exactly what it is that Paul says. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith, labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father, knowing, brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you. For our gospel, verse 5, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, 
just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For the word of the Lord hath blasted forth, sounded forth, blasted loudly from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. For they themselves report about us what kind of a reception we had with you, and how, watch this, how you turn to God from idols to serve a living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus. And notice this last phrase, don't miss what he said, who rescues us from the wrath to come. And so what does he say here? He said, I have so much to say to all of you, and while you, you seem to have it all together, there are things I want to remind you of. And I would say this to all of us. It may be that you seem to have it all together, but perhaps these reminders will bring to light even more clearly what it is that God has for you. And what I want you to see today is this. You're not in church by accident on this particular day. This is a day in which you perhaps will have the opportunity to hear a voice you've never heard before. It may be that you hear the voice of the Lord that says, I want to be your Savior. I want to be your God. And if you hear that, listen carefully. The devil never whispers those words. Jesus speaks to our hearts through the Holy Spirit and says, you know, I want you to be my child. And so watch what happened. Because what does he do? He does very distinctly anchor, first of all, things in prayer. Because you notice what he does. Notice if you would with me. Verse 2, for we give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayer. So what does he do? The first thing he does is he helps them understand something, that the core value of his own heart and life is prayer. And here's what I want you to say. He doesn't just say, I pray, but he says, I give thanks for you. And here's what I want you to see today. Prayer with gratitude moves heaven. When you and I come to the point where we go, you know what? Our prayers are anchored in what it is that God has for us, and we're thankful for it. And I'm going to show you what happened. Let's say you're facing, as I described earlier, a challenge that's bigger than you ever dreamed you would. It comes at you in ways you never thought would be there. And then all of a sudden, you just stop and you just say, God, thank you for this trial. Thank you for this heartache. Thank you for the headache. And thank you for what it is that's going to come out of this. Because beyond the Advil of this world is the God who heals every heartache and headache we have. And all of a sudden, you start going, wait a minute. You mean I can get energized in the midst of my trial? Absolutely. Absolutely. You just have to be wise enough to anchor yourself in prayer with gratitude. So here's what I want you to see. We're at the front side of a whole new year. If you go through this year just praying without thanks, you're going you're to miss a lot of his will. Because the Bible says to give thanks for this is his will. And so when you discover how to give thanks, something happens inside of you. So what does he do? Then he comes in and he begins to talk about what makes, what makes him thankful for them. And you and I need to think about this for a moment because he identifies three things that are very significant. And I want you to think about this because I want you to ask yourself a question. Are your prayers bathed in gratitude? In other words, when you pray, do you start out by thanking or griping? Do you start out by saying, Lord, you are everything to me. I thank you for that. Flying across the water a few days ago, four solid hours of turbulence. I don't know if you've ever experienced that before, but it's a long time. And the plane was shaking like this. And I was traveling with a pastor friend. And I was wide awake. 
I, you know, because every time you go across the water, you, know, you, you, you want to be, you want a smooth flight. And I was sitting there thinking, Lord, I, I want to I wanna thank you. And by the way, I was not praying with gratitude. I was praying with anxiety. And I said, so, Lord, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know what this is all about, but I sure wish you'd calm this weather down. And I looked across my buddy, my pastor friend on the other side, uh, another aisle from me, and, and he sounds asleep. And so uh, after we got all the turbulence done and it was, we were getting ready to land, I went over to his chair and said, do you feel that turbulence? He said, what turbulence? I said, you didn't feel anything? He said, no, I slept like a baby. And, you know, I wanted to slap him at that moment because <laughs> I, had been, I had been anxious for all those hours. And so the flight attendant walked by and said, man, I've got to ask you a question. Does it, you normally have four hours straight? He said, oh, that rocks me to sleep. I said, you're telling me that turbulence makes you sleep? He said, oh, yeah, I just feel so good when it starts shaking. <laughs> well, I knew I was flying with at least two crazy people, you know, on that plane. <laughs> but, but after it smoothed out, I began to think about if I had just said, Lord, I thank you for all these turbulence, I, it probably would have stopped. But I didn't thank him for anything. I just said, Lord, don't let me die tonight. You know, it was a whole different prayer request than what probably I should have been anchored in. And what you discover is, it, and listen carefully, you may be having turbulence coming into your life you never dreamed you'd face. And it's shaking you so much that you're thinking, is it ever going to be over? And it may not be four hours, it may be four days, four months, four years. But I can tell you this, if you'll anchor yourself to the rock that never moves, something will happen inside of you. And that's exactly what he describes here. Notice what he does, because he's, he identifies keys. Look at it with me. First of all, in verse 3, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith. And let me tell you what he says here. If you're going to pray with gratitude, you have to look beyond yourself. You just got to say, you know what, I got to look beyond this to what it is God has for me. I trust him in this. And by the way, one of the most powerful ways to pray is to anticipate the future more than regret the past. Because what Paul said, I forget the things that are behind, I press towards the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. So here he says, you got to live beyond yourself. And he talks about this work of faith. And by the way, the word work there has to do with achievement. And what he's saying here is that it is obvious you have discovered what it means to believe. And I want to encourage you today, if you never had that kind of achievement, and if you were scored at the point of your faith and there was no faith there, today is a day to find that faith and see what happens before God. But he doesn't stop there. He says, first of all, your work of faith. But then he said, talked about their labor of love. And when you look there at the word labor, it's, it carries the idea of carrying it all the way to the edge of exhaustion. Labor of love. And, and what he says here very clearly is that the real vision for your life, the real, the real substance for what it is you have for your life is love. Because all through First Thessalonians, what do you talk about? Your labor of love what you do in love, how you abound in love. And what he's really saying here is execute the vision God has for you. Love others. Make a difference there. I'm going to give you a great example of this that happened to me while I was gone regarding the whole idea of listening. Because if you're not listening carefully, you miss a lot of opportunity. Well, obviously I have many relationships in other parts of the world and, and many who have uh, had difficult times in life and all. And so I got a note from someone I knew that... Uh, as, they, as a note passed through, I just thought, well, that's just another person writing me, welcoming me, etc. Well, the next day that person wrote again, the next day they wrote again. And it was like all of a sudden I realized that the Lord wanted me to talk to that person. So I sent a note that said, is there any pants you could have lunch? 
uh, with me on this day. I've got a translator. We'll be able to chance to converse. And in the midst of the lunch, a uh, person began to tell their story and said, you know, when I, was bir- when I was birthed, my mom dropped me in an orphanage. And I never, I never was loved, never was helped. And it was interesting. He said, you know, when I was a, when I was a, when a, a child, I was brought into a home uh, by a family, but all they did was beat me. And I went back to the orphanage. She began to tell her story. And the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, I was not even paying attention that she needed to tell her story. And what I want you to see today is you've got to be careful. You, you'll miss paying attention to what matters. And so as she began sharing all of her story, and by the way, this person prayed to receive Jesus a couple years ago uh, with me. And so I finally, we got, we got near the end of the conversation, and I asked the person, I, said, I have a question for you because you, I, know, I know some of the people you grew up with. I know part of your story. But I want to know who on this earth loves you. And she looked at me and she said, you and God. And when she said that, it was the most piercing thought in my heart. Because I thought I could have missed hearing words that motivate my heart to go again and impact people's lives everywhere, beginning here. And what I want you to see today is this. There are some people in this city waiting to know that you love them. And perhaps they already love you. And it's need to know you care. And so you've got to execute the vision God's given you. And I'm going to tell you what's really motivating for me. People uh, realize, I think if they get around me, if they realize something, I, I love what our church is about. Because it's a vision God's given us to be authentic followers of Jesus. Committed to changing the world. And I love that. I love what God's doing in bringing new people into our fellowship. I love the fact that he's allowed us to be a place of love. Because I talked to somebody the other day and they said, let me tell you something, you'd have to be completely disconnected not to feel the love of God when you walk in this place. And when I heard those words, I thought, you know what? That's what makes us who we are. We execute the vision. We have a labor on earth. We don't mind putting it out there to help someone and laboring in order to make sure that we, they experience what God intends. There's a third thing he says here, though. Notice it, the third key. And what I want you to see today is I'm asking, I'm giving you three points, three questions, and three applications, all right? So you've got to be willing to listen to them carefully in order not to miss them. The third thing you'll notice he talks about regarding all of them is the steadfastness of hope. The steadfastness of hope. And, and here he's really talking about staying consistent. Just staying consistent with what God, God calls you to do. Because when you look at the word steadfast, it, it has to do with persevering for a purpose. In other words, I go through something for a specific purpose that God has. And what I want you to see today is this. When you start thanking God in prayer with gratitude, something happens inside of you. But it doesn't stop there. Because then he begins to talk about what he's gone through, and how they have actually impacted his life, which is the second area I want you to see so very quickly. Look at verse 4, if you would. Knowing, brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. What does he say here? He says that if you are to experience life the way God intended, you have to have an identity that is unmistakable. In other words, You've got to be very clearly identifiable that when a person meets you, they say, oh, you are committed to Jesus. And I'll tell you what you discover. And this happens to me often because I've lived in Atlanta now almost 20 years. And sometimes I'll, I'll find myself you know, in, a, in a shopping center or at a restaurant and someone will walk by and they'll double take. And then it happened to me uh, during December. This... this uh, group was eating, they were having a Christmas lunch, and I was having lunch with somebody, and, and someone looked over, and they walked over and said, are you Brother Gerald? 
I said, nope. <laughs> and they looked at me really funny. He said, you're not? Nope. And you could tell they were like, oh, man, I made a big mistake. And finally I said, oh, yeah, that is me. But I just wanted to see if you really knew me or not. And, and it's interesting because she said, do you remember me? I said, how could I forget you? And we had a wonderful dialogue. But I'm going to tell you what. Let me tell you, everyone is distinguishable. Everyone has an identity. For example, Eddie, you can't miss him. You can't see a hair on his head. I mean, it shines in the light wherever, wherever you are. I mean, some people you just can't miss. And what you discover is as you see those people, something stands out to you. In my office, I have pictures of Cindy when we dated uh, and from high school. And then I have a picture of when I married her. And I have a picture of just recently. And every single day, I look at those pictures. Because her identity, watch this, is not just what is on the outside. Her identity is what I've seen on the inside. And I can tell you without a doubt, when I look at that wonderful lady I share life with, it's unmistakable. It's unmistakable. Only God, only God could have given me a blessing like that. And what I want you to see is he talks about, hey, God brought you into my life. It's unmistakable who you are and your identity rests in who he is. So here's the question. Because you'll notice in verse 4, knowing, brethren, beloved of God, his choice of you. I don't know if you're like me, but when I was a kid growing up, we used to always play sports where you'd, we'd pick teams. And I guarantee you someone here probably picked last. But I used to always be on those, on those teams. I'd watch the sequence of who's picking, who you're picking first. And what happens, Paul, Paul makes it clear to the Thessalonians, he picked you guys to be on his team. He picked you. And what I want to say to you is God picked you to be on our team. And maybe you're here and you've never been a part of a team. Maybe you've lived life going, hey man, you know what, this is my deal. And maybe you're here today and here's what's happening. The Spirit of the Lord keeps saying to you, don't miss being on his team. And I'll tell you what you discover. If you get on his team, something happens inside of you forever. So here, all of a sudden, you begin to ask yourself, how secure are you in your relationship with him? That's the second question you ask. I mean, how secure are you? Are your prayers bathed in gratitude? How secure are you? Because he makes it clear he chose you. Now, look at what he does here, because he identifies their three keys. First of all, the power of the gospel. In other words, and you, he said, now, now make that into terms I understand. The energy, watch this, the energy to be changed into something you could never do on your own. That's the power of the gospel. And I'm telling you, if you're sitting here and you never experienced that power, I'm going to tell you what you could do. During this day, if you released yourself beyond yourself to the power of the gospel, I promise you your identity would change forever. You can ask anybody in this room, because when he becomes everything, it changes your whole life. But not just that. There's the power of the gospel that he shows, but also the convicting power of his word. I mean, notice what he says here very clearly. Our gospel didn't come just about also in power and, and in Holy Spirit full of conviction. Just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. You see the convicting power of God's word? Let me tell you what I've discovered. When I read God's word, I've always got a better life. But if I take a moment and get busy and don't take the time to read like I need to, intentionally and powerfully, something is missing in my life. And what I want you to see is, is Paul tells something about the Thessalonians. They read this book. And let me tell you what's scary. In, this, in our culture, 82% of people who walk into a building never read except on Sunday. That's scary to me. And I'm going to challenge you. We're at the front side of the year. Pick this book up as your life depends on it, like I said two weeks ago, because it does. Pick it up, read it, watch what it does for you. All right, so a third thing happens, though. The power of the gospel, the convicting power of God's word, but also 
there's the idea of being able to prove your identity by faithfulness. And what Paul says here is that it's obvious the kind of men that you are. Your faithfulness carries you right into what God has for you. And so today, I want you to imagine for a moment, you have a chance to evaluate how faithful you are. And you may be sitting there going, you know what, I don't have a lot of faithfulness going on inside of me. I got a lot of challenges, I got a lot of trials, a lot of difficulty. But then all of a sudden, you begin to realize something. He is at work to say to you, I'm calling your number. I'm calling your number and I'm speaking to you. And watch this, when the Holy Spirit dials you, it's never a wrong number. It's never, it's never, it's ne- by the way, it's never a 1-800 number either. It's always 1777, the perfect number of heaven calling down on you. All right, so what happened? All of a sudden, you, st- you sit here and you go, wait a minute now. So if I start praying with great gratitude and I understand what my identity is, then what ultimately do I accomplish? And then he, that's what he does beginning in verse 6. What does he talk about? He talks about the afflictions he's been through and how those afflictions motivated his pursuit. Motivated his pursuit. And when you look at this, you realize that he makes it very clear. I want you to look at verse 6. You also became imitators of us and of the, word, of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And when you look at that word tribulation, it has to do with intense pressure that comes at you. So here's what I want to end. I want to end with this story. Because I want you to walk out of here thinking about whether you're listening or not. While I was, while I was in Romania, I went to a youth prison. In that prison are about 90 juveniles who are all imprisoned for different things. Everything from attempted murder, rape, everything. When I got back home, uh, back into the town I'm, I was in, I, I went by one of the orphanages, and, and I, when I walked in, a young man said, can I meet you? I said, yeah, you can meet me. So I began to talk to him, and he, and he looked at me and said, uh, I want to tell you a little bit about who I am. And he began to tell a story. His name is T.B. T.B., T-I-B-I. T.B., about two years ago, was out with a friend, and they decided to steal. And they thought they'd get away with it, because, by the way, you know what pride does? Pride says to even anyone in this room, I can get away with whatever I want to. And so his pride got a hold of him, and he started going, getting really proud. He and his friends, they were stealing and stealing and stealing. Well, one day, his friend was out and got caught stealing. Well, his friend got sent immediately to prison. But he didn't get caught. And so he spent a whole year thinking, man, I am free. One day, sitting at the orphanage, knock on his room, TB. The police are here for you. He said, what for? He said, do you remember your friend that you were stealing with? He told on you. He told on you. And we're coming to pick you up. So he spent a year in prison. And when he got in prison, it's interesting what happened to him. Because when he got there, he realized something, that he had been captured by pride, and he needed to humble himself. And so there was a man who would come regularly to the prison to tell the story of Jesus and to challenge kids to grab hold of God's word. And he realized that what he needed the most, he needed Jesus. And so he gave his heart to him. But he also knew something. He needed this book. And he began, he began to memorize the Bible. 
When he left prison, he knew 200 verses. He quoted verses for me without looking at anything. And when he finished his conversation telling me a story, he looked at me and said, you know what I really want? I need, I need the Old Testament. I only have the New. And I want to memorize Isaiah. Well, I'm sitting there going, have you ever looked how long Isaiah is? He said, I want to memorize Isaiah. And I said, you know what, son, I'm going to go find you a Bible. I went and found the best Bible I could find. He's only, he's only 16 years old. He's already been in prison. He's already learned that stealing doesn't count. And let me tell you what you discover. And I want you to hear this very clearly. If you let the devil steal your future, you're not any different than TB. But you can surrender yourself to him. TB was a thief. He acknowledged it. But he said to me, you know, thank you very much for trusting me. He said, I'll be back. I want to, you, I want to see you again. I went by to see him the next day, and I handed him a wallet. He said, what is this? I said, this is for you to go find clothes that fit you. And in that wallet was money. I said, TB, I trust you because you trust Jesus to buy exactly what you need. He wrote me after I got back home. He said, the very first time in my life anybody ever trusted me for anything. He said, how thankful I am. And here's what I want you to see today. I want you to hear this so clearly as I finish. If you're here today, maybe you've only trusted in yourself. Maybe the devil has stolen so much from you. And you just understand that today, you need to say to him, Lord, I want you. And it's interesting because all morning I've had this on my mind, that there could be in this room this very day, there could be a couple who need to commit their heart to what we're about. There could be an individual who needs to commit their heart to Jesus. There could be someone who is facing such a big trial that is overwhelming. And my question to you is very simple. Are you listening? Because if you're listening, I'm going to tell you what you're going to discover. The ever-present voice of the Lord speaks to the hearts of those who are looking for an answer. And if you need an answer, he'll come to you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for every man or woman, boy and girl in this room. And Lord, I know this, that there are in this room people who need to listen to you well enough to answer your call. And so I ask you in Jesus' name, if they're couples, I pray you would speak to both their hearts. If they're individuals, I pray you'd speak to individuals. And Lord, this invitation is not like one I've offered in a long time. Because this is an invitation for someone to make a choice that will define everything they're about based on the conviction of God's word that we looked at today. So Lord, if there's someone here who's looking for that answer, speak to their heart and do something amazing. For we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.